Hello. My name is Roderick Liptrop. And today I'll be announcing the nominees for this year's Academy Awards Best Animated Films. Please applause when necessary. And Benjamin, the nominees are Elemental, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Woo! Super Mario Bros. Suzumi. And Wish. And the award goes to Spider-Verse. All right. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started here, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Roger Liptrot. Thank you so much for joining us for our spoiler review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Joining me as always is Benjamin Saunders. Ben, how are we today? Hiya. Doing good. Doing good. Okay. Joining us, as he usually does with his technical issues, but he's here regardless, Mr. Zach Sells. I almost did it again. I almost did the mantis. Hello. That was something off screen, but I almost did it, but I won't scare the audience. So, hello. I'm back. You still kind of did there. Anyway, <laughs> Mr. Drew, good buddy yep. from here in Atlanta. How are you, my friend? Join oh, us again. Fine. I am ready to provide more off color commentary <laughs> and to find something to stomach everyone about. Okay. All right. Well, Drew, if, it, if it's anything like last time, you I'm, I promise you won't be invited. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> we're going to go ahead and get started here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Benjamin, it's out. Mm-hmm. It was both in our top five most anticipated films of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure about you because you and I haven't talked about it yet. I sent you three words, I think, or four or four-word text response. I don't know, three yeah. or four words, something like that. I texted you, I texted you things, so you yes. know, you're welcome. I think it was all caps as well. It was all caps. So I was yeah. very excited. Yeah. Into Spider-Verse Ben came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. We had to wait five years for this. At this point, we're going to talk about it. But first, <laughs> Zach, in your non-spoilery thoughts, just real quick, your expectations and then your response to seeing Across the Spider-Verse. Did it live up to your expectations? Let's, you know, that's a better question. Did it live up to your expectations? Uh, it exceeded my expectations because I really wasn't hyped for it just because, I don't know, there was just something, it may be just because of who I am and who, and just like what I like and stuff and being excited for certain movies and such that with something it's going to be like overly like hyped or overly, you know, love and beloved, like last year's everything everywhere all at once. I always just like, yeah, it's going to be a good movie. So, and there's just nothing to argue about. There's nothing to discuss about. So that's where my expectations were. It's like, yeah, it's going to be a good movie. And it's going to be just like the first movie. However, when I saw this one, it exceeded my expectations. I was not expecting certain things. And I think that's what really is a grabbing force to the movie. And all, all in all, it's like an incredible part one. Uh, all right, Drew. What are you getting your quick, not spoiler thoughts? What were your, uh, did it meet your expectations? Um, I would say it did fall. So I think my issue with this one was that, of course, I, well, I mean, I loved it, you know, but it's very hard to top that first movie. I do think that this one does suffer from being a sequel. And I think that, you know, a lot of this super duper positive reception is from people who already went into this, wanting this to be their all timer. And for a lot of people, it still is, even though the story's the story's not finished. I think that they heard they heard Epic Part Two and their mind went to like Empire Strikes Back. And it is like I'll well, I'll elaborate I'll put it like this. I'll elaborate a little bit later once everyone's once we're all settled in. But overall, I think that the movie um it is it's a little bit too complex in some areas and a little bit too simple in others. 
Interesting take there, Mr. Drew. Mm -hmm. All right, Ben, your thoughts? I would say for me, it exceeded expectations as well. Um, even though my hype was growing and growing with the the last like week. Um, but still, I was surprised and shocked at several things and uh, came out very high on it. I'll, I'll agree that it's not like my all-time favorite Spider-Man movie right now, but it doesn't have to be. I feel like we get into superlatives or, you know, people get into superlatives real quick after after one viewing and stuff. But uh, it is it is very high on the list and I do love it a lot. All right. Yes. Yeah, so for me, it also exceeded my high, high, high expectations. Thanks to you, Zach, because you texted me like five minutes before I was going in the theater. Jerk. Uh, or no, it was a couple. It was a couple hours. It was a couple. Hours. It was a couple hours. It was a but, couple hours. But still, you jerk. I made it. I made it excruciating for you <laughs> to wait. You did. You did. And um, yeah, so that did not help at all. But leaving the theater, I was very, very impressed, very satisfied. And then seeing it again yesterday, I loved it even more. And I'll get into my superlatives later. But it, this is definitely one of the best primary movies ever made. Um, Zach, I actually just put on my letterbox review. It was like five paragraphs. Um, but yeah, it definitely exceeded all my expectations. So, all right. Well, with that being said, we're going to go ahead. And if you guys uh, have not seen the movie yet, you guys know what to do. This is the time to check out and come back once you see the movie. If you do not care about spoilers, well, then stick around. We're going to go ahead and dive into full-on spoiler territory. All right. So. We're going to break this down to sections, gentlemen, what we like, what we didn't like, Easter eggs, cameos, all the good stuff, our expectations for March when Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out. Talk, about, talk a little bit about the music, because Ben loves music so much. But let's go ahead and let's get into our first category, which is the pros, gentlemen. We're going to start with the pros, what we really, really enjoyed about the movie. Zach, I'll start with you, man. Start with the pros. I mean, I think it's the obvious one out of everything is the animation. Like, there comes a point where I was just blown away of the visuals of what I was seeing. Like, it's hard to top that first movie, how unique it is, and how impactful it is to, like, literally every other animated film now. It's, like, kind of people are not copying it, but, like, very inspired by it. You can see from the new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out, and then you got uh, The Last Wish, uh, Puss and Boots The Last Wish, which is one of the best animated movies ever, so it really has an impact on like, you know, future anime movies and going forward and such. But this one just topped all that on top of their own original movie. So the animation alone, like blew me away at first. This is spoilers, right? This is double checking. Okay. The first fight scene with Gwen and Vulture. I was, I was not expecting that. They're just something so eye pleasing about two different animation styles, collab, like clashing into one. And I think that set up like the rest of the movie perfectly on the aspect that this is going to be a multiverse movie just colliding into one and it never just feels like vomit in the blender and never feels like it's just too much at once it just animated so like effortlessly and just so great yeah that's probably my like biggest positive out going into this one on top of the cameos on top of the easter eggs but i let y'all delve into that more but the animation alone just deserves like honestly best picture there's like no doubt about it this is the best picture nom all right, I'll go ahead and go next just to kind of, I don't want to talk about the animation because I'm sure Ben and, and Drew will cover that. I just want to talk about how what made that first Into the Spider-Verse so great was 
I didn't need all the superhero stuff. That movie was still great, just focusing on Miles and his story. What I liked was how this movie just expands upon it, and we get more into not just Miles, but Gwen. This is more Gwen's story than Miles' story, if you really, really think about it. It starts with Gwen. The last frame ends with Gwen. That 17-minute prologue, whatever it feels like, I mean, it's a long prologue. I did not expect it to go on for as long as it did. And on first feeling, I was like, man, we're really taking some time away from Miles here. Like, I want to get back to Miles and Earth 1610. But on second view, I was like, man, I'm really, really appreciating what they're doing with Gwen, her story, and the comp- and, you know, her complex relationship with her father. And that's what I like most about this movie is the complex relationship between characters. Gwen and her father, Gwen and Miles. There's a lot of stuff going on with Gwen and Miles. Miguel and Miles. And, you know, Zach, we talked a little bit about Miguel yesterday. Like, I, I Miguel might be my new favorite antihero now. If we even go to call him an antihero, it's very, very complex. Uh, Miles and his parents. I'm glad we got more of Miles's mom in this movie too. I love the conversation between Miles and his mom. Uh, even Miles and Peter B. Parker, who you know Peter B. He's not in the movie a lot, but they use him just enough where you don't you know you feel like he still served the overall story they were telling. But yeah, I think it's for me. It's the the, the biggest pro I can give is just the expansion of character arcs from the first movie and just flushing things out you know when it's just miles and gwen hanging upside down on the rooftop just talking those are some of my favorite scenes or miles and his mom just having a conversation or the school conversation when they're talking about miles's future that scene was hilarious uh, i love the back and forth there's just and even spot who came off as just like a villain of the week and the movie kind of plays on that and but as the movie keeps going you're like damn spot's actually a really compelling villain here and actually i'm actually feeling things for him so i get it's a part one and maybe not all arcs are complete from the as you know the movie wraps up but i, I just the character dynamics and relationships here are so so well done the story is so well written so uh what about you ben uh you covered a lot of bases there this is really good um i guess the, the yeah the characters and their arcs and relationships were just exceptional for everyone uh and it's crazy how much they covered and it it doesn't feel bloated at all to me and everyone is interesting and i'm engaged with with every relationship and everything yeah i did think it was interesting kind of bookending with uh with gwen but i mean well i've loved learning more about her character and then um getting back to miles and his his whole arc which i didn't i mean i didn't look up uh or, or theorize a lot i guess but I, I didn't expect that arc from him um throughout because we in the trailer we saw that whole montage of the um all the spider people going after him and everything and i was like oh that'll be like in the middle you know meeting up and everything but it's it's like near the end uh so anyway the whole arc and then you're talking about um spot too which i thought would be kind of villain of the week i guess just kind of intro to get them into it but <laughs> he gives his backstory and i was like oh this is crazy <laughs> i didn't expect this either and th- there's there's points of exposition too and even um spider-man 2099 was like do the explainy thingy to the you know the hologram i forget her name but um I felt like that was kind of poking fun at itself for just doing an expedi- exposition dump kind of, but I, I was still, it's done 
beautiful with the animation and it's just so interesting and, and written so well uh that that i was engaged the whole time so yeah it's just it's it's excellent how well it's uh crafted and put together and um i knew of course it was being it was going to be the part one i think anna didn't know or, or forgot and she was uh at the end she was like this is going to be an even longer movie because <laughs> she thought stuff would wrap up you know but even then um she loved it and it's i feel like that's a big feat for it being a part one and ending where it does because a lot of movies kind of struggle i feel like to uh to say um or prove the decision to make it a two-parter i guess but it, it does it really well here so yeah drew what you get well a huge pull for me of course certain than the animation and uh of course the storytelling was the um the complexity of the storytelling especially when it comes to the character of spider-man um something that i think and i might be biased because of course i grew up with the Tobey Maguire movies and also like the cartoons like spectacular, well, mainly spectacular. Um, and then of course the amazing movies came out and it was kind of like, you know, that's, that's cool. It's whatever. But as soon as the Tom Holland movies came out with the MCU, I definitely kind of felt like whatever there, whatever could, whatever, everything that's special about Spider-Man that has kind of been commodified into just like making it into like another big franchise um, or part of the MCU, you know, sending him to space in his third movie, stuff like that. But then when the Spider-Verse came out at the end of that scene where that Infinity War came out in 2018, I really felt like for the first time in a really long time, someone really understands what kind of makes his character tick, even if it wasn't about Peter Parker. Um, someone really understands that true idea of Spider-Man really just being just kind of just like a guy, you know, a guy who has insecurities and struggles and is sometimes faced with problems that he can't resolve. And I do feel like Across the Spider-Verse really expands that into, I, I like how it kind of breaches that into all of the other Spider-People, you know, Miguel O'Hara, you know, taking his own place um, and then suffering, you know, ter- horribly for that, you know. Um, well, that's the, and uh, uh, Gwen Stacy, you know, having to deal with the guilt of, you know, thinking that her father, thinking that her father thinks that, you know, she killed her own version of Peter Parker. And I also kind of like how um, the movie itself almost seems to be written by, I think it was written by Warden Miller. I'm not sure. But um, it almost seems like when they were writing the script, it was almost a rejection of the idea that um, you must go by that same kind of system of suffering in order to prove yourself as a hero. And I feel like part two might even be a bigger reputation of that, especially with the revelation that we have um, of him being an Earth 42 at the end. All right. Let's go around and move one more time for pros because there is a lot to talk about. Zach, go back to you again. Anything else you want to touch upon with pros? Really just rebuttaling like every, what everybody's been saying because as we talk, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that. The spot thing, I was really like creeped out towards the middle of it with his animation. It was very dark. And like, because, you know, he's jokey and stuff. And then like, his backstory and like basically just want revenge on Miles, even though it was like it could seem jokey with the first like during the bagel, which is a total butterfly effect to me of just like just one little bagel just create this whole supervillain and like but his whole life just changing and being nothing. Um, also quick, I do like the Venom cameo that was out of everything. Towards like the middle, I was like, all right, we're gonna see Andrew and Toby. There's gonna be something here about them. 
but the Venom thing, I was not expecting. Even though it's not Tom Hardy and it's like a side character, it still was kind of just different and cool to see on top of the Lego Spider-Man 2, which is very funny. Uh, but the whole spot thing, like, it just goes completely, like, it, like, shifts all the dynamos on, like, how dark it goes. And there's just some of the imagery, it just didn't feel like a kid's movie. And that's, like, a lot of things. This is really close to a PG. Is it a PG movie, right? It's is it? Yeah, it's it's very close to be a PG thirteen movie on top of like some dialogue, like they're you know they say ass and like I think one says another like semi cuss word type of thing. But even like the imagery alone, it was just very dark, and I really really vibe with that, especially the spot stuff, the black and white, and like the sketchiness of stuff. That was just really cool to me. Um, Miguel, like the Miguel uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine, his character was just really fleshed out like it kind of like resembles a lot i was getting a lot of no way home vibes like on the similarity of like just fixing everything and then miles saying why do i have to abide to that you know why like with tom like why do why can't we save these people on miles why do i have to follow all the other peters and all the other spider-man's footsteps like drew was saying it kind of just like takes that and like no i'm not gonna abide to that and even though the consequences are still there and like the universe will try to fix itself on that. I just like that whole concept in general and like how it still kind of connects to Tom Spider-Man to a point and just all the Spider-Mans in general of like juggling too much. I think it just, there's just a lot to unpack here, but that, that was just like the main two things I really wanted to like speak out on again. Um, and top of the Andrew stuff or like seeing Andrew on the big screen again, even though it's like a, it's a shot from the actual movie of Amazing Spider-Man. It was just still cool to see how it just all connects. And then seeing uh, the video game Spider-Man cameos. And then there's just a lot. Like, there's just a lot of freaking cameos. I think that's one of the things I, meant, I like, message you, Rod. It's, like, there's a lot of Easter eggs. And, like, the whole time, you know, it was exposition. I was still, like, just pointing out every little thing I could see. Just really cool. Well, that's why I'm, I'm excited for you to get, you know, your second view again later. Because... I think you know you'll you'll see things you missed before, but I think you'll just appreciate the story and the emotion of it a, a lot more on second viewing if you didn't you know because that first viewing it's just a lot right it's over it's an overwhelm but in like in a positive way not overwhelming like in a ugh but like there's so much I got to point out I want to see this and this but you know that now like when I was watching it with my sister I took my sister yesterday um, I just fo- focusing solely on the story and then still pointing out some cameras all like oh that's a spider from that issue and oh yeah that's that. And I, I totally, I, I totally miss the, uh, the second Donald Glover thing because I was laughing so much. I forgot that they showed Donald Glover again, a second time, and uh, so I missed that the first time. But I'm seeing it that you know, for my first time or my seeing it for a second view, but first time seeing that scene, I was like, oh my god! So just little things like that, it's really cool to point out, or, or just to witness. But yeah, I think for me, it's just I, I was so wrapped up with this story. And it's unpredictability. And they kept showing that 42 constantly. I know that's what I noticed the most at second viewing was like they constantly kept on that 42. And my girlfriend was like, yeah, did you not notice that? I noticed that. I was like, no, I was so wrapped up in the story. I didn't really have time to really focus on that. But I'm really, really excited for where they're going to go with this next one. Because I think it's going to be as unpredictable as Across, Across Spider-Verse was with Beyond. Hopefully it sticks to that release date of March 2024. Fingers crossed for that, but I think that first hour is so freaking good because it's a lot of downtime, and it just makes that second half of the movie so much more enjoyable 
and you really feel the stakes because you you because you had that time to spend with the character with Miles and with Gwen. And I think Zach, you were talking about Miguel. I think Ben, you were too a little bit about Miguel and how fleshed how really well written he was and how fleshed out his character was. It's had a bit of, of a Civil War-ish vibe to me in terms of I see where Miguel is coming from and I see where Miles is coming from. And, you know, both viewings, I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm going to root for Miles. But I'm like, is Miles doing, really doing the right thing here? I mean, Miles might fuck some things up. But then there's that glimmer of hope at the very end when Gwen's dad retires from the from from being captains. Like, okay, shit, maybe maybe we can still save. There's a way to save Miles' dad without fucking up the universe. So, yeah, I've, it's, to me, the, this story is just so well written. It's such a great fleshed out story. And like I said, I know it ends on a cliffhanger, but in a way it still feels complete, but I'm looking forward to what's coming next. So Ben and the other, or go ahead, Zach, but like get something else to say. Yeah. I was going to say like with that first hour, um, I think it expands like on the character of miles and also Gwen's relationship. But you were mentioning like the downtime, like that scene where like, they're just talking and like, they're like hanging. Like you, you mentioned that that's just like, this really, it's just stuff you don't think about with like animated sequels. Like animated sequels are kind of just like last the last witch is one thing. That's just like a complete reboot of stuff, but you don't really see a lot of animated sequels that actually take time with their characters and do something different or try and make like an Empire Strikes Back type of scenario where we expand on their love for these characters. And this one just does it so well. Um I was gonna oh I do like how there's not like really a Sinister Sinister Six villain. Like we see Vulture and stuff, but really the villain is you could say is Spider Man twenty ninety nine, but the villain there's really not like an antagonist trying to like besides you know twenty nine nine stopping milestone in the end, but it's just not like as prominent as most comic book movies do with like a villain being like the focal point of everything. Like we got spot with that and stuff, but it's just not as fleshed out or not but just not as like like a green goblin you know in no way home it's not like as like major to it it's just more of a setting up and building up to it and really it's just more about the character of miles and like just fireman as a whole and we don't see like a goblin we don't see like a doc god trying to stop him and stuff i think that's makes it a lot different than the other spider-man movies well it's funny because earth 42 actually did mention the sinister six that little news report i don't know if you saw that but it was like the sinister six cartel or something like that yeah on the new station which i thought was pretty cool so maybe we'll see that i don't, I doubt it i thought like that was more just a little easter egg like you know uh, Spider-Man I, fans I, I i think so you think they're gonna do it i i think so partly because um it's too these movies have already pray both, both the first one and this one have already predicated themselves on being just um like having massive ensemble casts so i really don't doubt that even if they're not the huge focus we will get at least maybe like at the very least like five to ten minutes just of uncle aaron if not miles engaging with you know the earth 42 versions of you know the rhino and uh the vulture and um and the shocker and whatnot interesting all right well drew uh why don't you go ahead and go next man any other positives you want to talk about uh i mean i i feel like uh i got it's funny because i really like this movie but i almost feel like I don't have as as many positive things to say as I thought I would. It's because it's, it's funny because oh, as soon as it ended, you know, I pulled up my phone and you know I was ready to put in those four and a half stars, 
And then I did. And then I got home and I was like, no, uh, I, I took the half star off. And I was like, oh, no, it's like maybe it was so overwhelming as an experience, like you said, that I almost felt a little bit underwhelmed in that case. But I don't know. All right, Ben. I think we, I guess we talked about animation, but the I felt like it was uh, a lot smoother too. Which yes. I mean, the the first one's fantastic, but I feel like a lot of transitions and stuff were smoother. Which I mean, could just be advancements in technology too. And then the the voice acting, and I don't even have someone in particular. Just everyone <laughs> was was awesome. And J.K. Simmons for being J. Jonah Jameson in every universe. <laughs> I love. That's so cool. And then we talked about the Lego stuff. It's not a big part, but I I was real giddy with that. Um, and even him working on the bracelet, he was boop, 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 making his own noises. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really funny. There's just so many, yeah, clever, clever little things. Um, the, the ending reminded me of uh, Silence of the Lambs a little bit, which is cool, with the, the trick, you know, at two different houses. And yeah, I don't know. We I well, we could keep going, picking out little stuff, but <laughs> overall, I guess that was the the major stuff for me. Positives. All right, well, let's move into negatives then, because for everybody, not you know, not every movie's perfect for everybody. Well, I think this is a fucking perfect movie, but anyway, people might have some nitpicks. People might have some things to complain about. Drew looks ready. <laughs> uh, so do you want to go and get started with your with with uh, your cons? So this is going to seem like extremely pedantic, but um, especially in this comparison, walking out of this, I had a similar feeling that I had when I saw Avatar: The Way of Water back in the summer, which was this was an upgrade in almost every in almost every um, area imaginable, except that. It suffers from not having the wow factor that the first Spider-Verse has. Even if I were to watch the first Into Spider-Verse again, it would still feel like my first time seeing it where it's like, I, I almost you almost feel like you're witnessing like a new form of animation, like a new form of storytelling with the character of Spider-Man. But with this one, it's almost as if um, the storytelling and, and the storytelling and the visuals are more complex at the cost of just sort of losing that, you know? And it was sort of like how in that, for me, between The Way of Water and that first Avatar, it was almost like, okay, they've had 13 years to improve in the CG and it looks unbelievable, you know? Um, it looks almost hyper-real. Uh, they've had 13 years to improve in the story and now there's actually an arc, you know? Um, things, a, a, a world that was carried in lore is now defined by actual characters, but at the same time, there was a certain point where simplicity is almost the better option because it feels like in this case, um, across the Spider-Verse relies so heavily on pre-existing knowledge of all of, of Spider-Man as a character, but you know, just every version, you know, uh, spectacular, Andrew, Toby, um, Insomniac, um 1967 and even the more obscure versions like you know the, the british spider-man you know um scarlet spider it's like it's more it, it's and i appreciate that they all have ample amounts of screen well not all of them but i appreciate the inclusion of all of them but at the same time it sort of feels like it it engaged in a lot of um it it it, it, there were times where it sacrificed that complex story just for the sake of being a little more indulgent 
And it's like, I can mind indulge in certain areas, like visually, but sometimes it did feel like it took away from what was ultimately like, I think like kind of an incredibly, an incredibly like dark and fatalistic story, especially for like an animated superhero movie. Interesting. I actually, I, you know, I didn't think about that, but that's, that's an interesting perspective, Drew. Uh, ben, what you got for negatives? The only thing I guess would be maybe the pacing at some points, maybe in future viewings, I feel like I could pick up on a little more, I guess, but I, I don't know. I, I appreciated the downtime as well as the big action scenes and <clears throat> excuse me. Then the, the ending, this is like a half a negative, but I kept thinking it was going to be the end, but then it kept going a little more with the story, which isn't really a negative. Cause I was still, you know, liking each scene that we got, but him getting back home in quotes, you know, Earth 42. I was like, oh, wow, that's, oh, no, there's more. And then Spider Gwen, like, you know, going to save my friends. It goes through the portal, like, oh, that was great. And then, oh, it keeps going. But like I said, I liked <laughs> where it kept going. And then eventually it, it ended uh, where it does. So I don't think I have anything else, honestly, for negatives. Zach, got anything? Uh, I, the reason I really want to see it again is because my first showing, there was a bunch of rowdy teenagers. And I had to go be a Karen and tell the box office lady, hey, there's some teenagers here being loud, making fart noises. They literally were making fart noises and having their phones out, playing TikTok sounds, and then they shut up after that. So that's really my just that kind of tainted my experience a minute. Like it was in that first half when it's like a lot of that downtime. So I couldn't really hear a lot of the dialogue. One, because my aunt that AMC theater for some reason, the audio was really low. I don't know if that was just me. That that's YouTube actually did. a growing issue with a lot oh, of really? across the country okay. of like audio issues. And I felt that especially when in the fight sequence of Vulture in the beginning. I yes. was like, what am I is this AMC not working correctly? This is an IMAX theater, but then when I saw it again with my sister and it's the regular format, it was still the same issue. And then I read it's this morning weird. that apparently across the country, I think all over the world, there's people having audio issues, especially in the beginning. I'm I wonder why. Yeah, because Carrot, uh, she was just like, I don't, I didn't hear a word Gwen said in her monologue during like the drumming and stuff. And like, I don't know. I, I, I hope it's just not the movie issue. I hope it's like actually like just the theaters. Um, I don't know if it's like different at Cinemark. Did it say like all, all theaters or just AMC? I, I just read all theaters. I didn't, I didn't see okay. AMC Regal particularly. It, it might be. It might be a movie issue. Just think back to like, well, this is this is an issue with him historically. But just think back to like every Nolan movie, and it's true. Like, they yeah, might have thought that they they might have thought that they were like doing you a solid by turning down the volume, but instead it's just it, the levels are just like off. So yeah. hopefully they fix it once it comes, like, or they later in the month or something they can get better like quality and stuff or even with the 4k release and such but yeah that i guess that is a negative then it is a across issue i thought it was just my theater that like the audio was kind of low at points but then it got it picked up later on when it was like at the lobby with all the other spider people i don't know it was just really off in that point since that's a natural issue um and then i guess there's really not much to complain about i can see the pacing ben was talking about like sometimes i was like oh this is gonna be a long movie like it out something with anime movies and being like it's my problem with law studio ghibli movies too like with princess mononoke is like for i don't know why anime movies just feels kind of when it's a long anime movie you kind of feel it at times i don't know why it's nothing it's uh like animation or anything it's just something i always notice and this one 
had that issue too. But also, uh, quick going to Ben's like half complaint is for me is the ending. I don't mind cliffhangers, especially when we're actually gonna get a sequel to it very soon. I, that's totally fine with me. But like the it just felt too comic booky, you could say, or like to like an actual comic book panel where Gwen has like everybody with her behind her. It just felt very like too staged you know it's like okay yeah, yeah this my, is that was one of my favorite shots in the movie yeah, man. Yeah, I, love I, I, I love stuff like that like this is why like yeah. even though but like even like with the first wonder woman i love the fact that the movie ends in her flying towards the camera yeah <laughs> yeah and i get it like i i what's another scene there's another movie that does that too where it just kind of ends like kind of like it feels like a panel to a point like or i guess uh the way of water when it's like jack Sully doing his monologue and his eyes open you know it's just kind of like that was annoying because he did the, that's how the first yeah too. <laughs> it's yeah, true it, well no it's just like george lucas says poetry it's right there we go and then same with like catching <laughs> fire with katniss eyes like just glaring at the camera and then it cuts you know oh, no, i think I, for I, that I, one it actually worked for me the, the I, love, fire. I love dramatic stuff like that and even like you said yeah. this one zooming in on, on like gwen's face and just having you know the whole squad basically ready to be screenshotted for when the movie comes out <laughs> it's like, i i th- that is the coolest thing you cannot take that away from me all right, I guess I'm the odd one here, but I don't know. It didn't take me out of the movie completely. I was like, okay, we're at the ending now. This is the gonna be the last part of the movie. But I guess the leading to a positive, I do like the confrontation. Like even though we all kind of knew it was gonna be Miles as the like the pal like the prowler, like the 42's prowler, it was still cool to see like a face to face because there's really have we haven't actually seen the actual other Miles yet. And obviously, you know the Sony video games are connected and stuff, but it was just cool seeing two different miles in the same movie. Does anyone else have any other negatives they want to talk about? Drew, Ben, Zach? Well, of course not. This has a 4.7 in the letterbox, so obviously nothing's wrong with it. So, yeah. I agree. I agree. Good, good job, Drew. You're already improving upon ne- last time. <laughs> <laughs> My negative is I don't have any negatives, so there's like it's just not, nothing to talk about. Good movie. I had to take a half star away because yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't like to rewatch stuff, but maybe if I just think really hard about it, then that half star will come back. And I'll be like, oh yeah, actually, I loved it. Because it's happened before, you know? When I first saw Babylon in December, I was like, this was pretty good. It was needlessly juvenile, but it was pretty good. But now I love it after like having like half a year to think about it so it come back to me for thanksgiving and i'll give it like it'll be a 10 out of 10. i i just i hope and i pray i I feel i feel it coming guys especially you know zach as you're on twitter once the summer's over and oscar season starts well you know across the spider verse wasn't all that good you know you know, well, it's just we were kind of in a lull and you know i really you know but now that it's out on digital and 4k you know Miles wasn't really all that compelling. I mean, it's just the same arc from the last movie. I I know it's coming. Here's the thing. There's not, this is not going to be the best year for cartoons. I mean, of course, Elemental isn't out, but it's Elemental. And Wish isn't out, but anyone who saw a trailer for that knows that is is just Wish, you know, and whatever, you know, I'm... I'm going to see Ruby Gilman, but I don't think people are going to remember a week after they see it. So it's like... I feel safe saying that 
even though the movie's been out for like two days, this is probably going to be like everyone's favorite cartoon of the year. Totally. Or if, or if there's like some random Oscar bait like movie that comes out in December or something. Uh, my whale, Freddy. Yes, it just comes out nowhere. It's like, oh, I didn't even know that was out. Wait, actually, Um, no. I told you it's called My Whale, Freddy. No, there is the the Ghibli. There is the Ghibli movie that they refused to show trailers for, but. That's going to be a thing amongst the weebs and cinephiles. So, it yes. so yeah, it's. I mean, the award is still going to go to like Wish or something. So I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I think. Yeah. No, I, I was saying it. It's like that one year where I had made up my mind. I was like, "Man, Disney's Disney Disney fell off. They're never going to make a good movie again." And then they made Moana, and I was like, "Oh my god." This is fantastic. This is, and it's actually one of my favorite movies, ironically enough, even though it stars Dwayne Johnson, who right now I feel about that some inch. But um, yeah, and then it lost to Zootopia, and it was like, oh, so you just don't give a shit anymore. I felt the same way about Pixar. I was like, for years, they've been sucking. And then they made Coco, and it was like, excellent. And then they came back with like Onward, and I was like, oh, all right. And now they're making Elemental, which to me, if, if, if Elemental feels like a movie where it's like, they were contractually obligated to make something, so they're like, uh, you know, you know, yeah, they, come on, I'm looking forward to that. They, 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 were, still. <laughs> they were thinking of, they were thinking of something, and then like all of a sudden, like the direct, uh, what's his name, Pete Doctor went to like a family barbecue, and Earth, Wind, and Fire came on, and he was like, huh, okay, yeah, guys, I got a new idea, and now we got Elemental. So, yeah, I was gonna say real quick on the Twitter thing, Brad. What's gonna like be said is like, well, actually, we've been in the superhero fatigue, so we're just overpraising this. Where every, every time there's a good superhero movie, we're just gonna overpraise it. I think that's gonna I, be like, like, I would say, I, I would concede to the idea. The only difference, the only issue with that is that with superhero movies, when they're really good, they're like really good, and when they suck they just kind of suck like that's like i don't know like that's like the people who the same kind of people who are like oh 11 thunder isn't that bad and then they're like getting on guardians 3 because i i guess because it, it wasn't foggy enough for them i don't know that's like no like if it's if it's good it's good now don't get me wrong people still like to be retroactive about stuff but it's like um i don't know this seems like a genuinely universal movie like to the extent like i think the closest comparison I can think of is someone like my dad. He's been around, of course, he's like almost six. He's been around for all these movies. The last animated movies that he liked were Shrek and Finding Nemo back in 2001, 2003. He loved the first Spider-Verse and he looks forward to seeing this new one. So it's like, if it can get somebody like him, I think it's going to get everybody, regardless of what, you know, 50 deeply unhappy people on Twitter said. Totally. I like, I like how you said that, Drew, because I actually... When I was talking to my mom last night, she's like, so Robert, you're going to take me to see this, right? And I was like, I'm surprised you want to go see another comic book movie in a theater. So I'm, when I take her in the next couple of days, I'm going to be, I hope she likes it because she can only take but so many comic book movies. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, she loved that first Into the Spider-Verse, like your, you know, like your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's something about the Miles character, too, that's just so relatable, even more than Peter Parker. Because we have seen the Peter Parker story done about every other year. So, I, I want to say Miles is more relatable than Peter, but it just kind of it feels like that to me. 
it feels well, like Miles a little bit more relatable to more general audiences than than Peter Parker is. I think part of it too might be that um, Peter Parker has, Peter Parker's been around for like almost like I want to say like almost like 75, 80 years or something like that. Um, he's like, but like this, there's people who are like, he's an old character and we already have a preconceived notion of what Peter Parker is to the point that to the point where when you deviate from that, um, people take, people take offense to it almost. Um, it's the same thing with Clark Kent and why they're making such a big deal about James Gunn's new Clark Kent being a beacon of hope as opposed to like Zack Snyder's nihilist, which I mean, I didn't have an issue with that person, but it's whatever. Um, <laughs> but with this, um, with Miles Morales and his new characterization, he's a relatively new character. He only came out in, I think, like 2010, 2011. And I think part of what people love about him is that he has such extreme fears and doubts. And, and, like he reacts like an actual person would to getting powers, you know. Um, and especially with the way that they up the ante in this one, especially, especially with stuff like that Earth 42 uh ending um it's sort of like he rightfully treats this with the horror that it kind of should have so i think a lot of people can kind of just walk into that rather than you know it's sort of um i'll put it like this most superhero movies are about like just blind empowerment and i can do it but this one is more so about like escaping fatalism and just dealing with stuff the way that you need to deal with it all right with that then we're gonna go ahead and take a quick ad break and we're gonna come back and Talk about some our favorite cameos, our favorite spider person, and uh, then we're gonna talk a little bit about the music too. DJ Ben, drop it. And we're back. Thank you, Ben, for not uh, doing your usual antics. I thought about it. Yeah, I know you get uh, you were sweating there. Yep. you were struggling yeah so before we move on to our next topic zach you look like you had something to say so go ahead and say it man yeah so with the miles character i think like as y'all were saying like he's very more relatable because you can only do so much for peter parker and you can like what drew was saying you can like like do something different maybe like andrew where he's more of like more of a punk like that type of thing or like toby's more of a nerd and then tom is more of a science like a nerdy scientist and stuff that's not really relatable to me that much. Like there's some nerd stuff, but you could just attach any nerd thing to like any spot, any Peter Parker variant. And it's like, Oh yeah, he's just like me. He loves star Wars. It's that type of thing. But with miles, it feels more like a teenager. Like just, he loves music. He loves playing video games. It's just something different, you know, where with Peter Parker, you could again, attach anything nerd related and it's like relatable or he does movie references and stuff. Miles, he kind of just like an everyday teenager that actually got bit. It's just more relatable to me, in my opinion, than like, like Peter. And plus who could forget? He has plenty of exaggerated swagger. That he does. That he does, Drew. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. This movie did make me want to go. I replayed some last night of the Miles Morales game, which is flawless at 65. I had that second. same thought of like, I kind of want to go play Miles Morales now. But we got Spider Man 2 coming out later this year. So let's hope so. No, no I got the best one. Another kill the Suicide, kill the Justice League game, and it gets delayed every other year. So, all right, let's talk about now. Ben, let's talk about our favorite Spider person because there's a lot of them. So I'm going to combine these two categories in terms of favorite Spider-Person and Easter egg cameo, all of the above. We'll go, we'll go around the room a couple of times here and just combine these, make it one big old category. Uh, I'll go first before someone else takes it. Donald freaking Glover. Holy shit. Did not expect that. That was the cameo I was not expecting. 
Zach, I think you and I were talking kind of something like, you know, we might see Toby or we might see Andrew or, you know, maybe even Tom in some form, some form of capacity. I did not see that coming at all. Now, whether that's MCU or some other version of the universe, that was still pretty cool. And the fact that the, the scene kind of goes on for like a couple minutes and then we see him again, that's just, man, they really went all out with that, with that cameo. So I really appreciate that. Uh, Drew, what about, oh, go ahead, Ben. I was going to say, that's like really layered to, uh, yeah. I knew some of the story, but then watched the behind the scenes thing or whatever, and uh, or Easter egg video, and how he, uh, he didn't he voice a Spider-Man in one show before or something, and then he was going to be Miles Morales at some point in the live action, and wore the suit in the community episode, which I watched recently, mm-hmm. and that community episode is shown in the first Spider-Man, which Aaron Davis is watching, it's just there, there's so many layers to it. Yeah, but I was very excited for that. Uh, my favorite Spider-Person in the entire well, I always um, I really enjoyed Peter B. Parker from but going all the way even going back to the first one, just because like it was interesting for them to take that sort of inherent Boy Scout character that Peter Parker is and just show him as like fuck up as like almost it's almost like an, an it's similar to how people find Miles extremely relatable. Peter, Peter B, Peter B was sort of like that's what Spider-Man is actually going to do to you, you know. Um, I think that's why everyone likes Spider-Man Two so much. The one, well, Sam Raimi Spider-Man Two, because um, that whole sequence in the middle where it's ruining his health and he just kind of like becomes just more well-adjusted just by not thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, Peter B. Parker was sort of the he was like the epitome of that, you know, it will leave you physically shattered and depressed and just kind of like by yourself being a hero like that. And I liked how um, they sort of repaired his arc and well, not repaired. It was just, that was just his arc. Um, how in this one, he's a lot more laid back. He's a dad. So, you know, he has something more to live for. Um, and I enjoyed, even even though he wasn't in it nearly as much, but he was just more of a supporting character towards like, the second act and then the end of the second act. Um, I still really liked his inclusion in this. Um, and I look forward to him being sort of them closing off that mentor arc in the third one, because I really do think that he was part of the heart and soul of the first movie. Um, as for it, it's, as for my camp, favorite cameo or, or appearance, it's kind of funny because ever since they even started hinting at the multiverse i really despised the idea of cameos because it kind of just felt like i was burnt out from years and years of the mcu especially when they started that whole trend starting back to like i want to say like black widow where you know you sit there for 10 minutes looking at the credits and then someone shows up and they're like hey it's me borco and then everyone claps and then that's it and i was like okay well this is just one movie they're not going to do it again and then they did it in Shang-Chi, and then they did it in The Eternals, where it's like, hey, it's me, Harry Styles, Gwup Shido. See you in five years. Um, but the Spider-Verse, I think the reason it never bothers me with either th- with the first one and in this one is because it feels um it doesn't feel there's no sense of grandiosity or importance. It just sort of feels like inclusion of it feels like a celebration of the character rather than just some kind of forced ham fisting of, you know, look who we got, look who showed up, you know. Um, my personal favorite appearance might have been from Miss Mrs. Chen, um, from the um from the Venom universe, primarily because um it didn't feel like it, it Ironically enough, that was a moment that felt like genuine cohesion. Like that was a moment that to me felt like they were really trying to stitch things together 
and attempt that connection rather than just you know the guy showed up you know i think i i thought that it would have been infinitely more distracting seeing like a live action of Willem defoe or you know a haggard alfred milana who was there for like five minutes on set rather than just seeing someone so minute who is still recognizable if you're a fan of those movies you know um so yeah and as for the prowler uh i will admit i didn't mind seeing them i i thought it was i thought it was a cool cameo for both appearances that they gave them it did feel like a bit of an afterthought or more so like that thing that the mcu does where you know they introduce somebody and hint but then forget about them kind of like with the leader and what they're doing now because i don't really think they ever wanted the prowler and Morales to be a thing in the mcu i think this is just i think they're kind of coasting off of the goodwill of the spider-verse but um if he does show back up and it's like i give i have to give this movie credit for kickstarting that rather than them just being like you know oh well we did that because not really i don't think we're ever going to get or at least not now because the mcu is already as crowded as it is i don't think we're going to get miles morales for a long time in the mcu until and... tom holland really decides to hang it up and i, I think that's fine well, well that's well, that, that's unfortunate too because it feels like these like it, it is it to this day it never ceases to amaze me that like an animated movie with half the budget was able to capture so much of that character compared to what's supposed to be the premier studio for understanding these characters and it's kind of like in a way that kind of sucks like I, like i i kind of hate the idea well, with shameek more i think he's like almost 30 or whatever but so is tom holland like it kind of sucks to me that by the time we get Miles Morales, who says that they're not just going to like either take from the Spider-Verse interpretation or just like create a whole new guy who's not even who we know anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, Zach, I don't think you've gone yet. Um, I like the T-Rex. T-Rex fireman. <laughs> um, I honestly... <laughs> honestly forgot a lot of the cameos i mean again i mentioned it earlier like the andrew garfield scene that 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 really sh- like shocked me um i'm just trying to think of every single cameo like i wouldn't be shocked if we saw okay so i went to the dentist last month and they had like the spider-man for letting us know you went to the dentist yeah everybody should go to your dentist it's, it's a requirement um they had like that little kitty show spider-man like with all the little kitty, the little Spider-Man. I won't be shocked if we see them and beyond. I won't be that would be like funny to me. I don't know. But like that type of stuff where it's like, oh, I recognize them. Oh, I recognize them. It's just pretty cool. Um seeing I guess like the uh Andy Sandberg Spider-Man was pretty funny to me and how like dark and gloomy he was. I forgot what his I think it's it's not Sinister Spider. Uh, Scarlet, I Scarlet Spider. Scarlet, yeah, Scarlet Spider. Um, yeah, that was just, I don't know, funny to me. Um, but yeah, I got again, go see again and like look at the cameos again and stuff. But the Donald Glover one was the funniest to me because I was just not expecting that at all. But that leads into something I was going to mention about, I missed message you wrote about it, how my theory all along, for some reason, it's just been sticking with me. And now that they merged live action and animation, I believe in the second or in beyond that Miles is going to get trapped in the live action universe and it's going to be Shabik Moore. I think that's always been my theory since like this was supposed to be a part one, part two. And now that they brought live action into it and connecting the dots of it all, I think it's more possible than ever. I think it's funny too how this movie comes out and like the day of release or the Thursday night release. Oh yeah, by the way, we're doing a live action Spider uh, Miles Morales movie. That, that, that was a little, oh, okay. So 
if it's not going to happen in this, I'm pretty sure it's good. We're going to get some form of live action Miles Morales and Beyond the Spider Verse. I, I, I'm with you on that, Zach. I, I would like, like that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I would like to see it kind of like of a multiverse of madness thing where he's going through other dimensions and we just see Shamit more in like the costume. I think that's probably as far as going to get as oh, turn yeah, yeah. like connecting because you know MC will not like have that no, anytime soon. MC, <laughs> no, I, I, off. I really, I really hope that they do more Roger Rabbiting. That was actually to me one of the more creative aspects of this movie because, well, it is it. I don't remember how they did it. I think it's like they made a 3D movie and then they basically just drew over the entire thing. I think that's what they did for this first one and this one. But I really did love that effect. Um, it's something I haven't seen like since I was a kid. And to see a mainstream movie like this doing that, that was like really inspired. So I do kind of hope that even if for as much as I might cringe at the idea, if they do have, you know, our typical three, Toby and Andrew and um, Tom show up, I would hope that they're just interacting with like people with like things that are not there. Like, I don't know. I just something out of that fact that I just get a lot out of. Uh, well, cameo wise, you three went down my list of like top three that I wanted to <laughs> say. Uh, and I guess I talked about Lego a little earlier. So, um, but shout out to uh, Spider Punk. I thought his character is great. Uh, Daniel Kalia was uh, animated really well with it like constantly changing the the blocks and stuff and uh was was really funny and then his kind of character trait of being uh you know anti-establishment and everything which is actually kind of a plot point with <laughs> giving uh spider gwen the you know made the the homemade bracelet or whatever um so yeah i kind of like, watched that god damn it yeah I, I for, i've seen it once i forget the name <laughs> The the nice jewelry with the yeah, yeah. project bootleg, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like how his his character was funny, but also integrated into the plot like that. Yeah, I was gonna say Spider Punk too. That's kind of like my my last one I want to talk about. He Dan Clue just voiced him really really well. Yeah, and they kind of like been teasing him like, "Who's Hobie? Who, who's Hobie?" Then Hobie yeah, yeah. finally shows up, and then is that Karun? From Deadpool, who voices Spider-Man in India? Yeah. Okay. I was like, who is yeah. that? That's okay. So, is his name Carver or Depender? Depender from Deadpool. Yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah, actually. yeah, that's okay. yeah. Um, yeah, like Spider-Man. That whole sequence in Mumbai Hatton. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, yeah. I think it's what's called? Spent a lot more time there than I thought, and I didn't mind it. I that I could have spent some more time there too. I love just hanging out in that world, and that's when the stakes got real. That's when the stakes got real. Shit hit the fan, and uh, the act, that whole entire action sequence of them, you know, saving everyone, and it was just a really entertaining sequence. Uh, let's talk about the action real quick here. Does anyone have a favorite? Oh, go ahead, Zach. I would say the cowboy Spider-Man too. I like how it goes western, like their eyes in that split second. I really love that scene. Right, my sister and I laughed so hard. It's like on the count of three, one, and then she just looks like you're supposed to wait on three. I don't know. Just found that really funny. Um, okay, action. I don't know if it's the same amount of action as the first one, maybe a little bit more because it is a longer movie, but that first hour, there's just so much downtime. That entire chase sequence is probably, I mean, that's probably the standout, right? Is is that, you know, every single Spider person after Miles, but then it gets emotional when it's just Miles and Miguel and you get that revelation like, oh shit, Miles was not supposed to be, ever be bitten. That Peter Parker is supposed to still be alive. It kind of like 
makes Peter's death in Miles' universe even more sad. Um, but like you still feel for Miles. So it's like it's not his fault. He didn't ask for this shit. It really wasn't like it's not his fault. Uh, but like Miguel got really, really harsh towards Miles. Like you're just an anomaly. You're nothing. You know all that stuff and. You know, I love that. Even though it got ruined in the trailer, he's like, now nah, I'm going to do my own thing. I wish they didn't spoil that in the trailer. Thank you, Sony. But that was such a powerful line. And you kind of saw a maturation in Miles just within those couple of lines, that look he gives to Miguel. Now, whether Miles had really planned that or not, guys, of luring all the spider people on that train were just kind of running, I, you know, I'll leave that up for debate. But, but yeah, that entire chase sequence was just filled with, you know, a lot of great cameos, a lot of great emotion. And, uh, I think it's Spider Bite, the Avatar. I like her. I hope we get more of her and Miles' relationship in the next movie because I think she's also part of the team of Gwen's team that I'm going after to uh, look for Miles too now. So, uh, yeah, that's Zach. You want to talk about the action? Favorite action set piece or anything else to add? Uh, I mentioned it earlier the Gwen and Vulture scene, which is really well done, and again just flexes how good their animation style is and like blending all that um i am a big fan of the spider gwen comic um i know she's called spider woman but the comic is spider gwen and i love just seeing the paint drip that's literally how the comic is it's like the paint drip i love that so much um i guess the uh the bridge scene where like where the shit hits the fan was pretty cool, but the the chase scene is like the, just was so it's hard not to, I'd pro, that's probably gonna be like a top five scene for the rest of the year. Um, next to like the No Sleep to Brooklyn scene in Guardians Three, um, it's just so well done. So so many animation style clashing, but again, like I was saying, it never feels like too much. It never feels like it's just meshing too much. Well, they but, do a good job of making sure they keep the focus on kind of the mm-hmm. core players like Miles, Miguel, Gwen, Gwen and Peter yeah. and Peter B. Parker. Oh, I also like I I can't wait to see all the Peter B. Parker dad cosplays with like the pink robe and the baby because I love seeing like the little baby do stuff that that was really cute to me. Comic Con's Um, gonna be uh that's gonna be interesting. Oh hold on, can you repeat that? I said Comic Con. You're gonna see a lot of Comic Con this year. Yeah, um, but overall, I just I really just love pretty much everything that was the yeah i think it does have more action than the first than the first movie it just it was more spread out differently yeah so other than that i think that's the best part as far as action scenes i well i don't want to say it peaked at all because i think everything only escalated um from a purely visual slash connect standpoint i would definitely say um gwen versus um Gwen and Miguel and uh, Jessica Drew all going up against the Vulture in the start. For me, just because it was extremely, um, it was just so extremely eye-catching to see, um, to see that sort of Renaissance art style clash with these sort of, um, like you said, the sort of punk rock paint drip of uh, Gwen's world. I also like how um, in Gwen's world, everything was almost kind of undefined. Like anything that wasn't close up was just sort of like a pink and blue board. That was that was kind of cool, but um. But no, that vulture, that extended vulture fight in the Guggenheim, I really thought they made excellent use of space, excellent use of that location, which is a real place, of course. And uh, it just really set the tone for the entire film of like kind of upping the ante with everything. Um, as far as the that chase with the spider people, um, well, I guess everyone's already said it. It was one of the more probably the most exhilarating sequence in the entire film but i guess for me it didn't really kick in that much until like you said that final confrontation between miguel and miles where he's kind of like telling them you know 
you aren't shit, you know, um, which <laughs> I mean, if you if if you had just said that directly, um, then that would be kind of funny to me. But um, no, I really do like how they took what was initially a um, just a big set piece and kind of turned it into a really pivotal part of storytelling, because I also kind of feel like not only is um. I think I feel like Miguel sort of sort of saw himself in Miles, you know. Um, a lot of when he was talking about you're a mistake not supposed to exist, while he is while he is correct in that manner, I think a lot of it is also him blaming himself for pretty much destroying a child that he never had. And I really feel like if you're able to if you're able to tie a set piece into your story in a way that doesn't feel like you're just like breaking it up just to, you know, speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down, then I really feel like that's like a masterful like that, that is a massive thing to do, especially in an animated sequel like this. Yeah. Everything you all said, plus the, the fights with the spot, I thought were pretty inventive uh, through all the portals and everything. All right. I, I don't want to mention something. You mentioned uh, both Drew and, and Zach, you mentioned about the, the paint trip. I noticed this on my second viewing in Gwen's world. Whenever, and maybe Zach, you noticed this, or Drew, you maybe you noticed, or maybe Ben too, like, Whenever a emotional scene would happen with their father, in the background the paint would start dripping, like like almost like you know crying. Almost, I I noticed that a lot of my second viewing because I was, I was paying a little bit more attention to that. And then you know when her and her father reconciled, different kind of background, right? Much a lot more bright and everything. And I just it's no neat details like that just make me appreciate this movie a, a lot more. Um, did you want to add to that, Zach, at all? Or all right, good deal. Great, because I was going to go to you anyway. I'm just kidding, but. We are now going to talk about that. Let's talk about music. This is your category, so I'll let you start. Score, soundtrack. Do you like it? Oh, yeah. A lot. Okay, thank um, you. Yep. <laughs> I, I do recommend. Now, the, uh, I'm listening through the, uh, the score on Spotify and stuff because I like to like pick out my favorites and make the playlist and everything. And um, I think I've taken out like one song so far that I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But uh, yeah, just every... Every song is so so good. Uh, I don't have specific ones to call out just yet, but the yeah, all the different styles and everything. Um, and then Pemberton's style um, is so cool with the the hip hop and record scratches, but then also having the orchestra and like heroic score. And it's so it's so cool how it's like homage to what we've had, but then also very specific and unique to Miles. And then, of course, we get the little Prowler stuff coming back, uh, electronic stuff. And there, there, there's so many new themes, of course, with so many characters. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you all talk about the, the soundtrack itself, but the, the score is exceptional. Yeah, one thing on that score, I will say real quick. I'll let you go, Zach. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, all right, hold on. Uh, Gwen's theme is fantastic. I uh, I loved because they use it a lot during the vulture fight sequence, which was great. And then they kind of added in again at the very end, Ben, with the last one. I think it's called uh, I don't have oh look at the soundtrack. I think it's called Let's Start a Band or something like that. But it's really really good. Uh, but yeah, the soundtrack to me is even better than the first. I thought I was gonna miss Post Malone. I think who we're we talking to was it Shane we were talking to it was like is there a Post Malone? I don't think. There is, I don't think there is one, but I don't think it's both alone, but he, there is so many good songs on this, on the soundtrack. I, I don't know my favorite right now. I think right now it's still calling or the song at the end credits. 
which is really, really good. But yeah, the soundtrack's soundtrack's fantastic. Go ahead, Zach. So um <laughs> no um i'm really in disappointment there isn't like a sunflower type song in it because that song is just so damn good and it's very much like a summery vibe song especially with this movie coming out in the summer um but i do like i guess metro booming was the main person that they get to make the whole soundtrack i do like the song annihilate that like the like just the beat alone and Lil Wayne's verse is really good. Um, self love that I think that plays when Gwen and Miles is talking like that. It's like a slower song and it's really really well done. Uh, those are probably my two main ones I've been listening to the most. Um, I don't I gotta listen to the score again because sometimes if it doesn't catch like I don't I don't know for some reason if it's not like a Danny Elfman type score I don't instantly remember it. So or Hans Zimmer bunch of burrs. Uh, I just it's hard to remember, but I got once I actually listen to it to Dolby. Hopefully, they fix the audio this time. Um, probably not. Uh, I can hear it a little bit more, but those two songs are really well done. Uh, I don't, I forgot who did like the majority of the first soundtrack. Was it Post Malone that did all the songs right for the no, like, he didn't do all the songs. I think it was more mixed, honestly. More mixed, yeah, it was definitely more, a lot more various. Uh, what do they call it? Various artists. Various uh, artists, yeah. So yeah, this one is a lot. I think most of it is actually Metro Boom. I don't think there's one that doesn't. No, maybe there's one, one or two that don't feature Metro Boom. Yeah, but I really like those two, especially Annihilate. Um, but I will always get chills when I hear the Prowlers theme, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. Just uh, it's so creepy and so good. I love it. True. Anything's not to you? Um. So I admit I don't think there was anything for me that stuck out with Pemberton's score compared to the first movie. Um. I think when I think of that first one in terms of music, I will always go to um to Leap of Faith. And I think everyone always thinks to Leap of Faith. They always think of that scene when I think of that movie. And I think even they know this because that first teaser, because for the for the longest time this movie had one trailer for it. And it only kept playing Leap of Faith over and over again. And I think mentally I was kind of looking for something like that. But they didn't really have a motif like that. I did like the ending song, um Lord for the Credits. Was that Annihilation? No, that's uh, that's the one I like the most. It's uh, "Am I Dreaming?" Oh yeah, "Am I Dreaming?" I really do like that because that is a song that still sticks in my head, even though I saw it like two days ago. Um, yeah. And of course, that reintroduction of the Prowish theme from the first one, which almost is almost kind of like horrific, which I guess is fitting because that's how that seems to Miles. And Miles's own sort of like hip hop, like they they almost had the beat to it for Miles, since you know he's probably forty two. But uh, no, I thought those stuck out, and also like. Yeah, I just felt like the actual soundtrack of like licensed music stuck out from the actual score. I almost feel like the score took a backseat to the visuals this time around. Like it was just sort of like music to add to the um, just sort of almost music to keep the movie going rather than actually being a centerpiece like with Leap of Faith. But I think for that part three, since that has to be their big conclusion, they we might see like a lot more memorable or iconic motifs. All right, all right. Let's not talk about Oscar chances. Uh, <laughs> does this have any Oscar chances aside from the obvious best animated feature? Ben? Yeah, uh, I would hope so, but I pr- probably not. Score? Well, I don't know. Well, we'll see what the other scores do. And then, uh, I don't know, what's some other big ones? Sound mixing, I guess not, because we're all complaining. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't think a score has any chance in Hill. Yeah. I don't, I don't, not, not a chance. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Zach? It's obviously a win anime movie. I mean, unless, again, it goes to the default Disney 
um, Pixar win. Uh, but it's, this one should win it. Did it win in 28? And for the yeah, yeah. I think in that point, I think it probably will win again. Um, especially this makes uh billions of dollars, but it could go to Super Mario's too, just because that makes billions don't, of dollars. Don't even don't say something with it. Why would you ever say something? Even I'm mad at you now, Zach. What the hell, man? <laughs> because the Oscars are stupid and they don't nominate stuff. That, for that, that, that's stupid. <laughs> Sometimes, um, but yeah, this one should definitely win best animated. I honestly will love a best picture nom. I think. If this gets enough traction, and I mean, the, the Rotten Tomatoes score is still like, like what, 97%, 90%? Around 96. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if this movie has legs, I think this movie will speak, if we're going to go more to like box office talk, I don't know if that's the next subject or not. We but talk about it. Yeah. It wasn't a yeah. conversation, but we can go and talk about it. Yeah. I mean, this one, I feel like this one's going to have long legs throughout the whole like month of June. Um, probably up until like the Flash will like probably knock it down some, but I think. A lot, like a lot of kids will go see it, and you know, schools out. I think this will be the summer movie for the majority of the month of June. Um, for some reason, I can't see indie, indie five like doing that well as people are projecting, especially with a mixed reception. I, I would, think this I, one. Oh, sorry. I was, I was just say I, I. <laughs> that's common. Um, oh, my closing thing was that it's like I just think this one's gonna have like the longer legs throughout the summer, basically. Um, Drew, just, Oscar chances. Uh, so for Oscar, uh, well, before we get Oscar, I was going to say, just to put an indie, um, I don't know if it's going to be a billion dollar movie, but at the same time, do not underestimate the dads of America. Um, they love nothing. Look, in the, before, not even counting Mission Impossible, all dads want in a summer movie is something that makes them lean and then put their hands together. That's what they live for. Um, as far as this movie um, having any Oscar chances, I don't know if superhero movies are. It, it's kind of strange, despite ruling the pop culture zeitgeist for almost 15 years at this point, they're still kind of seen as a different category of movie. And it's because, for the most part, they kind of are. Um, so I think for Spider Verse to actually break into being anything other than an accomplishment as an animated movie or as you know a technical achievement i think they'd really have to um try and sort of break that kind of cultural barrier and it's been and it was already kind of broken with the first one as in these things can be different but if this movie really does get the traction that it has online if about this if the online fan base for this movie can translate to people actually seeing it in person and still talking about it like way after the summer's well over and having that kind of impact, then I think that it probably could last an extra year into getting that kind of consideration. Um, people always bring up Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture. I love Black Panther, but that was like when they nominated Fury Road for Best Picture. It's like, that's a great movie too, but you just want to seem hip. Like, I don't think anyone was walking out of Fury Road saying that's Best Picture material. It's like, I appreciate it, but no. Well, what, that's that's just that's I mean that's a conversation of itself. What qualifies a, as a best picture nomination? What I mean, what is I mean? Because I, I to me, Drew, I think Mad Max was well deserved of a nomination more than Black Panther was because Black Panther, I feel like I was just nominated because oh my god, like a black superhero movie was great and one loved it and let's just yeah, seem, it was like you said, like you seem hip and woke. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. I get what. Well, <laughs> Oh, oh shit! I guess I gotta take back some I said like less than twenty seconds ago. But um, something like this. <laughs> Mad Max. I, I guess in that case, Mad Max would make more sense to me because 
it is an achievement in the technical sense. Um, and Black Panther was indeed just, you know, that whole thing of, you know, um, it was a big deal. It was culturally important. If we don't, then we look out of touch. But with the Spider-Verse, I, th- I don't think it's going to – I feel like this. It'll have a better – It'll it'll leave a better taste in people's mouths about the superhero genre than it will about actually being considered respectful enough to win Best Picture because most people don't really pay attention to that. P- people place more emotional value on the tomato score than they ever will for an Oscar. I know it says a lot. You're you're absolutely correct, but I think also because the Oscars are seeing a decline in viewership, putting something like now whether that's rightfully to put across the Spider Verse as a nomination or not. I, I'm just going to go out and say it. I think it deserves a nomination. I hope it does. I think it has a better chance of any of the past Hitman films we've had, maybe since Toy Story 3, maybe, of, of getting that nomination. I mean, it's been a while. It, it's, been, it's been a minute. Now, I've enjoyed a lot of animated films more than Toy Story 3, but I think this has the best chance of, all, of the past 13 years. What's that? Well, well, yeah, because it's like other than what Miyazaki has, which I don't even know if it's coming out in America this year, but um, other than what Miyazaki is uh, cooking up, I don't think like Western animated movies are going to be that great this year. Like, I just, I just don't. We could be shocked, and you know, uh, we could be, they could make five elementillion dollars, but I just do not think so. Okay, DreamWorks could make dollars. DreamWorks could make fucking um. Seventeen crackillion dollars, but I just think those movies are going to come and go. They're not going to be Spider Verse. By the way, I kind of purposely like want to skip the previews every time I go see this movie now, just so I don't have to watch that god awful trailer again. But that crack, that DreamWorks cracking movie. Good lord, that looks terrible. It looks like it. It does look a little bit silly, and the characters for some reason look like. Well, they look like Grubhub. But they have like the mobility of spaghetti. I don't know what that's about. I don't know why every character looks like a gummy bear. But um, I, I don't know. It almost kind of feels like I want to see it. It's like I mean, I'm gonna be the only grown man in there. But it's oh, the underdog I, movie. Yeah, it's like oh, no one's gonna see you. People are gonna be fucking Indiana Jones instead. So you and Haunted Mansion. Yeah, w- yeah. When you make w- when you end up making like forty five million on a $120 million budget. I'll say that I was there. Same. I was going to say real quick, I think it has a better, because, you know, the Oscars, they want to create buzz and, you know, all that stuff. With the Oscars probably coming out the, around the same time as Beyond next year, mm-hmm. you know, March, mm-hmm. that could lead into a Best mm-hmm. Picture thing too, just create buzz, you mm-hmm. know. I think that's the main, which mm-hmm. sucks because it's not for the actual movie. Exactly. <laughs> but, but buzz basically all right well let's move on from oscar chances let's get uh we're gonna we're gonna quickly talk about any other final positives we have here i feel like we haven't talked about miguel enough miguel is such a great fucking character i love miguel so much but uh drew any final thoughts or any final positives i'm sorry positives final positives I don't know. I was I was really satisfied with this like i said i think i do think that my expectations suffered a little bit only because i really want this to be another example of the first one because at this point we're two for two of one year having a Spider-Man movie that I despise and then the next one being fantastic. And then, well, I didn't despise No Way Home. <laughs> but I don't like good it. answer. Good, 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 good. Uh, like me yeah. seeing No Way Home and I'm like, okay, I've had, I've had about enough of this shit. And then Across the Spider-Verse comes out and I'm like, oh, 
actually, okay, I watched I watched seven more of these if they're like this. So um, my expectations were you. Know, <laughs> uh, my, my expectations were definitely met. Um, I can't say they were exceeded, but like I said, I think that in a couple months' time. I will look upon this. I, I already love it, but I look upon it even more favorably because it is a very dense movie. It is a lot of movie, and like it is not. It, it, like it's it. It would be hard for me to say to have like a legacy, long lasting opinion of this movie that just came out two days ago. So, yeah. uh, Ben, final thoughts. Uh, I feel like we covered a lot of good stuff. The um, all right, thanks for coming on. Yeah, <laughs> the the only thing I I think you mentioned it earlier, but the the conversation Miles and his mom on the roof, mm-hmm. um, is yeah. is exceptional. Which even was kind of featured in one of the trailers, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, there's there's, it's a good long conversation that's written beautifully, and uh, even I mean, that kind of got me teared up a little bit too with the the voice acting alone with them and then um her kind of you know understanding or trying to understand miles more and, and giving him that kind of freedom after uh after he was grounded and everything so yeah i like the build up to the scene too when just leaves and miles is all kind of you know down and frustrated just looking out this like the beautiful you know city and everything yeah. and it's just quiet for a yep. good, like what 30 45 50 seconds almost that was a big rate of times there, but yeah, so it's somewhere in that range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, then the conversation starts, but yes, that that downtime in the movie, man, it's just so good. Uh, Zach, any of the final positives? Um, I pretty much said my piece for this movie so far. Um, when I see you again here, probably about an hour. Uh, probably find more things I love. Uh, I guess it. I'll use. Yes, definitely. Um, I guess I'll use this moment to talk about how like fatigue and stuff is bullshit. I think superhero fatigue is because look, I get Quantum Mania was a letdown for most people, but look, we Zach, got Guardian Kang the movie. It's not Ant Man Wasp Quantum Mania. I... My bad. Thank you. Yeah, Jesus. Kang the movie. Um, Guardians three. You got Guardians three. You got this, and with how the Flash is panning out to be, I mean, I don't think there is. And James Gunn mentioned it before. I don't think there is like a superhero fatigue. I think they're just a quality. Like we just want better quality and. This one proves like when you have an actual great quality comic book movie, it's going to succeed both for critics and audiences. I just think that people just get in this mind and it's very easy with Twitter that, oh, comic book movies are done for. They're their next Western. It's like, oh, it's going to be like this and this. I think comic book movies are very easily like universal. Like there are I think it will always be around a lot. As long as they're good movies, as long as it's good product, they're always gonna be around. It's his own basically subgenre at this point, and I will always be there for the comic book movie day one. And again, I'm just glad we got this movie in the end. All said, Zach. All said. Well, well done. Well done. I look forward to reading your thesis on your on your on your account later. Thank you. Yeah, I'm making a Spider Man post after we speak. Actually, well, oh, it's funny if you I go bet back. You are. <laughs> If you go all the way back to Zach's blog post from 2009, you'll find his article about how there will never be an Avengers movie. So, <laughs> how it never work out? Well, well, well. Look at look at how the turntables. All right. Yeah. See, uh, Ben, you understood that reference, didn't you, Ben? There you go. I got to. I, 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 is your name Ben? No, it's not. That's right. That's right. That's Ben. That's me. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, final positives. You guys have already said a lot. Um, just a very entertaining and a very emotional experience. Very satisfying. And I would not be 
I, I, I'd be doing AMC Ben at a surface if I didn't mention that I did get not one, but Zach, I got both of them. I got both of them. I'm so happy. This was the last one I got yesterday with my sister. Oh, what, 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 Zach? What? what? No, I'm, I'm pissed at the poster behind you, which I hope I get today because I'm going to a Dolby showing. But I saw them in my AMC after I left, and I was like, oh, it's a free posters. And the lady went, yep, if you went to the Dolby showing. And I was like, oh, oh I, got, I went okay. to the IMAX screening for this. Oh, I guess IMAX or Dolby. But mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, oh, okay. No, I'm not going to like just slip me one because I asked. Okay, cool. You have to wear yeah. I have my Spider Man shirt on too. So I'm well, not. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. I might do some bum shit because I let my parents use. My, I, I, I let I let my parents use my A list because it's like I don't use it often enough. And um, I might just like cash up my mom and be like, "Hey, if they got that Miles Morales bucket, I'm not. I'm not saying you know you got to get it, but you know, here you go. Like, you know. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Let's uh, let's wrap this up here now with uh, final thoughts. Uh, ben, your overall final thoughts on Spider Man across the Spider-Verse. Very, very good. Two thumbs right, up. Thanks for listening. Highly right. recommend. Go see it now. Go see it now. Is that on the poster? Let's see. It should be. Okay, I see it. <laughs> Drew, final thoughts? Um, I think that this is definitely one of the best Spider-Man movies ever, which they say every time. But, but um, they haven't seen that recently, yeah. <laughs> they, they, said it, they said it for No Way Home. We see how that should turn out. But, um, no masterpiece that's what that's what we saw masterpiece yes a masterpiece of mediocrity this is one of the best spider-man movies of all time it's one of the best spider-man stories put the screen it it is a celebration of the character much like the first one was it manages to you know do things like cameos and extra appearances without feeling like key jangling or glove shadow um it's emotionally effective it's everything you'd ever want I don't even know where it was. I just saw that <laughs> my fucking mic turned off and then my shit got muted. So I don't know. Oh. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I I talked I talked too much about um No Way Home in an, in an uncharitable manner. <laughs> oh, cool. I have nothing oh, to do with. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that. I I have no idea how that happened. I... Look, look, I look, look, I can I can relate to people who like No Way Home. When I was little. I liked when keys jangled, but um, you know, I'm I'm not little anymore. I'm like I'm like 23, and it's like when I see stuff that I recognize, it's cool. But you, you gotta do something other than that, you know. And when the movie doesn't have much else to offer, that other no, than don't like, wait, go to your other, series and show me, please. Other, other than like a half-assed rec- retcon, then it's like that's cute. But I'll be back next time, Dragon. Zach. Don't say another freaking word. Oh, I'm just going to say this movie was really good. And I can't wait for the next key jangling movie, The, Fa- the Flash. Because <laughs> <laughs> whenever I see The Flash, the preview, I go, ooh. This oh. Looks cool. <laughs> Give me uh, three hours of this, please. But anyway, back to Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> the masterpiece that is this movie. I have a long speech I have prepared. Ben, so if you don't mind, start playing the music. That one? No. Other no. music? Okay. Little violin. Boy, we we practiced this, Ben. A little bit. Violin. Chapter one. When I was a kid, I loved Spider-Man growing up. He meant the world to me. 
I am now 27 years old. And across the Spider-Verse, after two viewings, is my favorite Spider-Man movie. I would like to apologize to Kevin Feige, Tom Holland, Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, Willem Dafoe, and all the creators of Spider-Man No Way Home. I told you guys that was my favorite Spider-Man movie. I told the world it was my favorite Spider-Man movie. I have been obnoxious about it. But Across the Spider-Verse is now my number three favorite comic movie of all time. This film has heart, great genuine emotion, spectacular visuals, and I don't know why I'm reading from my Hamid Your Mother DVD box, but it is... Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is everything the critics have been saying, and then I was trying so fucking hard. I really, I really didn't want to. And then Zach didn't help opening night. I really, I'm Zach, I'm really pissed at you for doing that to me, man. I'm really fucking pissed at you for doing well, that. Well, you know, I'm excited for it. Or like when I love it, you know, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I really wish I didn't log into Instagram. But I, and then I, I, I think what sets this movie apart, and it's not the key dangling like Drew is, is over <laughs> referring to. I like I just love the character moments here more than the way home. I think the character moments and the storytelling is just is just better done in this movie than Spider-Man No Way Home. Um now that's this is not to downgrade No Way Home at all. No Way Home is probably will still be my probably hopefully my favorite live action Spider-Man movie we've had. But in terms of just pure Spider-Man, me being a little kid, put your glasses back on, Drew. God damn it. <laughs> I I mean, let's be on the Spider-Verse, guys. Blows us away, and it's the next everything everywhere all at once, Zach. I, 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 you know, I don't. I really, but you know, what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna stop saying I can't see anything else stopping this because I, I, I've been proven wrong for the past couple of years now. So I'm just gonna stop saying that. Um, but yeah, this this movie, aside from it's just it's pure, just joyful entertainment value. I just love its character moments. I love the characters that inhabit this world, and it's downtime to really flesh out these characters and their emotional arcs. Yeah, this movie special, and I can't wait to see this about every day for the next couple couple weeks. Then, because I have tickets tomorrow or today, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and then I'm taking a break Wednesday, and then I'm going back again Thursday morning. So, yeah. there you go, Zach. You don't got your tickets for Transformers: Rise of the Beast. So that will do it today for the uh, Infinity Film Podcast. Ben, we're gonna do something a little different here. Oh, we're just gonna end. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're gonna. <laughs> I guess we'll let Zach tell people where they can find him online and everything. But Zach, is this your favorite Spider-Man movie? And who was your favorite character coming out of the film? So Zach, first of all, where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at the Horror Enthusiast, three R's in horror. And then you can find me on Letterboxd at Zach TR and Twitter at Horror Enthuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is right now my second favorite. Spider-Man 2, man, Spider-Man, Raimi Spider-Man 2 is too... It's too nostalgic. That that was like the pinnacle moment where I was in the theater levitating. That was my Fable Man's moment with a. Uh, I want to like be our movie. Literally levitating, man. That's that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, I, do I can't do it every. You gotcha. I gotcha. Last time I did that was last time I did that was when I saw uh, Multiverse of Madness and Elizabeth Olsen destroy Comatage. That was the last time I levitated. Anyways, um, yeah, you can find me on those. Uh, it's my second favorite and. Miles is becoming one of my favorite Spider-Man of all time. So interesting, interesting. Drew, good sir. Hold um, on, where are your keys at? Jiggle <laughs> the keys a little bit for a second. That doesn't work on me. <laughs> no, no. I, I watch movies that cost less than nine figures, so that doesn't work on me. But <laughs> no, it is not a favorite Spider-Man movie. My favorite. It is definitely one of the best. Um, 
it is one of the best that they've ever made. It's one of the best stories they've ever told, if not the best story that they've told outside of something like the original Spider-Man 2 by Raimi. Um, like I said, I hope that if people are going to chase trends, I would hope that they copy off this movie. I would hope that this becomes like a new standard, not just for like animation, but just for like superhero storytelling and realizing that, you know, and, well, I don't know. I think that my biggest takeaway from Across the Spire versus a movie is the way it's so, um, it, it's almost kind of uplifting in a way. It really is a movie about, um, going outside of what things have to be, you know, but, but it's almost like a reputation of this, of Spider-Man as a character, if not the superhero, um, the superhero pipeline itself. I really like that it has a really strong message about, um, not having to commiserate in tragedy just to prove yourself as a hero. And it's a message that is carried on from the first movie of anyone can be a hero. And I hope that we see more of that. Benjamin? What's up? Yeah, I uh, same as Zach with the nostalgia and how much I love uh, Spider-Man 2. Uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to beat that. But um, this is, I mean, it might be number two. I don't know if I'm ready to say that just yet. But... Uh, Need a couple more viewings, but it, it is definitely up there. And uh, one of the greatest Spider-Man stories ever told. Yeah. I guess you said your thoughts, Rod. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I already kind of said my piece about how I feel about this movie. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to take my, my mom to see it. Maybe my, my dad. Hopefully he'll be kind of interested. He hates going to the movies, but I'm, I'm, I'm nudging. I'm nudging. I'm nudging. So I'm going to keep trying to nudge that train. Get him to go see this movie. But uh, I, I can't say Miles is becoming my favorite Spider-Man. Zach, I, I still my 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 heart still belongs to Tom Holland Spider-Man right now. But Miles is probably quickly becoming number two or number three. Um, that Toby factor is still, I mean, pure nostalgia, of course. But it, it, they're just changing the game with what they can do with animation. And I don't know if we're gonna ever look at live action Spider-Man movies the same after this trilogy is done. So I think a lot of live actions, Spider-Man adaptations, are going to be have a hard, uh, hard act to follow, because uh, these these Sony has now two for two with into the Spider Verse and across the Spider Verse. So, gentlemen, that will do it, ladies and gentlemen. That will do it for our across the Spider Verse spoiler review. We hope you guys enjoyed yourselves. Um, did you start to say that where people can find us online? I will now. Okay. Thanks for asking. Uh, you can find us all on Instagram at the Infinity Film Podcast, and you can email us with your thoughts on Across the Spider-Verse, your thoughts uh, and expectations for Beyond the Spider-Verse, and guessing just how many episodes in a row Zach can mention Multiverse of Madness somehow. Sweet Jesus, good Lord. <laughs> email us at rb.theinfinityfilmpodcast at gmail.com. That's rb like Rod rodben.theinfinityfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Two things. One, I don't know. Because we had a little snafu earlier, so I don't know if Ben's going to mention this or not, uh, but I'm going to include it now just in case. We're recording this on Saturday morning, but opening night, opening day, $51 million. That is very, very, very impressive. So it's it's definitely on its way to making over $100 million. Mm-hmm. Zach, I don't know if it's going to hit billions, but I mean, seven, eight hundred million is out of the question. Maybe 900. It's just going to depend on one, don't forget too, Zach, in a couple of weeks. We don't have the Flash, but there's another anime movie for families to take their kids to now. How much of Elemental... I mean, look, it's Disney, though, Zach. It's Disney. No, no, no one's saying that. I, I, I don't think anyone's going to go see it, but it's still another animated film for families to take their kids to. Don't, so don't 
we can't take that out of, out of consideration for I'm, the impact of the box office. I'm taking that out of consideration. It's going to be Onward 2.0. You see, well, Onward had the thing of the pandemic also started around that time too. This is their karma for putting Soul in Turning Red on Disney Plus. They get elemental. Interesting. Very interesting. So yeah, but we'll we'll see Ben what the uh, box office results are uh, next week. Ben and I will not be having a new episode. Uh, this next, our next episode will be an episode we recorded last year, and it's uh, it's a big one. Zach was on that on there for that one. Oh yeah. But uh, it's honestly one of my favorites we've ever we've ever recorded. It, it was, was a lot of fun. emotional half hour. <laughs> the last, the last, the third, the third act of the episode. <laughs> there is an arc. Um, yeah, I'm assuming that um, the next new movie that you guys are going to talk about is going to be the Flash. We'll kind of with the Flash, but um, the Flash. Yes, that'll be our. That'll be two weeks from now, but. Uh, because we got some travel traveling stuff going on. So next week is an episode we recorded last year, and it's our yeah. X-Men uh, episode, our whole X-Men franchise ranking. Now, yeah. we did that on Patreon. Patreon and I were, or, and us were, we were not friends, Ben. Yeah. Ben and I, and uh, Patreon, we were mortal enemies. We are giving you guys a, we didn't leave, leave you guys empty-handed just yet, but uh, we're going to give you guys an episode that Zach was a part of. Here's where shed, hug, virtual hugs were had. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a, it, was, it was something, Ben. And then Drew teased it. We'll have a flash spoiler review out in a couple of weeks as well. So look forward to that. For myself, for Ben, for Zach, and for Drew, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was a fun conversation. Zach, enjoy your second screening of Spider Verse. Ben, I hope you go, Ben and Drew, I hope you guys go out and say, oh, I know Drew, you don't you hate me watching stuff, but Ben, I hope you go out and see it again before you leave for uh, your overseas trip. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>